Hey, you don't understand business. Welcome to the You Don't Know Business Podcast. I'm Sean, and today we're going to be talking to Terrace and doing a little interview slash introduction on what made him want to become an entrepreneur and how he ended up in this sad state of affairs. So, <laughs> so Terrace, uh, I'm kind of excited to uh, kind of run through your your early childhood and uh, and kind of see what your upbringing might have. Uh, might have done to corrupt you into becoming a business owner. Um, <laughs> There's probably several people want to know this answer, so this, maybe this should be all paywall. <laughs> so, so let's let's start off. Uh, you know, when did you realize you wanted to become an entrepreneur, or, or have you always kind of uh, felt that way? So, I I've always had a drive, uh, whether it was lemonade stand in the yard. Uh, I remember trading, you know, the little toy tractors and negotiating with my friends on like, what kind of deal we're going to do on this, you know? I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was something from as long back as I can remember. Uh, and keep in mind, a lemonade stand in our yard, worst location ever, because we'd see like three cars a day. Sure. So, you know, I, I, was I was actually determined. just thinking that, that, uh, you know, you got to really want to sell the lemonade. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you started out in restaurants early then. That's good, right. Good yeah. for you. Good for you. Yeah, first lemonade stand, you know, around six, seven, uh, whole chain by nine. So. Well, what was your first actual business that you owned? So I say it's when, when I was 14, uh, doing lawn and landscape work and, and not just, you know, I'd, earlier on, I'd been mowing yards for a while and that kind of thing, earning some extra money. Because, again, you know, most of the yards we mowed were our, our yards, right? You sure. Know, there was the occasional neighbor gone on vacation, so I'd mow their yard for, you know, 10, 15 bucks, whatever. Um, but, yeah, when I was 14, I basically kind of had enough of hearing how easy I was going to get it you know, inheriting everything and you're an only child and, you know, all these different stories. So I wanted to prove everybody wrong, right? Like that was my goal at the age of 14 was to become a huge success, make all this money because our goals change as we get older, sure. you know, and why we do what we do. Um, so anyway, I started um, putting in yards at 14. So bringing the equipment in, uh, whether that's a skid steer to doing the final grade excavation work on the yard, um, bringing in the tillers, the cedars, uh, you know, setting up irrigation systems, things like that. That's what I was doing at 14. So, so your uh, average childhood then. That's right. Yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> base, baseball in the afternoon, uh, installing and landscape in the morning, you know, that's, uh, and it was intriguing because, I never really, I had a few employees, more part-time. We never really had like a full-time staff or anything. But it was interesting because people always assumed that older person was, you know, who they needed to talk to. And then here I roll up literally on a tractor that I've rented at John Deere because I didn't own anything yet um, because I was determined not to use my dad's stuff. And he helped me. He helped me a ton. Um but, you know, so I roll up on this tractor because that's the only thing I could drive to the job site <laughs> or skid steer or whatever it was. Um, and I did, 
I did that for a good bit of my high school career while working on the farm as well, because that's still my passion today is is building the farm. I mean, that's why I'm so excited about the steakhouse. I like to the idea that we can sell some of our meat here and make the farm more successful. That's why we did the the hardware store and the automotive parts. It's all to me. It's it's uh, like I say it when I was 14. I was become rich and famous. At 40, it's to make the farm more stable, I guess, is the, the term I want to use. Make it more long-term successful. Because I have a little bit different vision that, you know, some of the businesses that we build, we're going to sell and that type of thing. But it's more about that because I'm the third generation on the one farm that I'm on and in our other farm, I got to look for sure, but I think I'm the 11th or 12th generation on that farm. So it's it's definitely a generational to generational thing for the farms as well. Uh, so yeah, so we do that and uh, continue building the the landscape side. I at 16, I opened uh, what's called Bowtie Customs and started customizing vehicles, uh, lift kits roll bars, step bars, um, mostly selling the accessories because everybody was a high school boy that wanted to put all this stuff on their vehicle. And I'm like, well, I might as well sell it to them. And that's yeah. when I learned about sales tax the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, uh, our, uh, my tax accountant or tax attorney uh, that I'm sure we'll have on sometime. That was when her and I got to be real close. <laughs> It goes back that far. So um, learned about sales tax and how we handle it, how we don't handle it. And um, that business was very, very short-lived. Um, and then uh, I guess I would have been 19 or 20 is when the landscaping company was doing a little better for me. And we got... We started securing accounts like Chick-fil-A, um, trying to think, Steak and Shake, uh, some of the bigger chain restaurants and hotel chains. Um, we were doing a lot of work for them, more staff, more um, general maintenance type fees, a lot more irrigation type stuff. And it was doing, um, you know, pretty well for me, making a nice, again, this was the side hustle because the farm right. was the priority. Um, so we get through that. I'm trying to think, oh <laughs> yeah. So I, I need to write all this stuff down at some point in time because also at 16, I started a, um, electronics business <laughs> and I was, I don't know if I've even told you this story. Nope. Uh, we were, there was a video store went into town and my mom and dad had had a video store years ago when beta tapes were a thing, right? Nice. We had the beta tapes. Uh, they rented the beta tapes. So that's a lot of where it comes from. Is from you guys didn't parents. want to get it on Laserdisc? <laughs> oh, hey. oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember when VHS came out. Like, it was, it was a big deal, right? So, um, so then when I was, uh, like I say, here, 16 or 17... Uh, this video store opens in town. My mom and dad's pizza place is, is gone by this point in time. It had been gone for about eight eight years or so. And all they were renting were 
VHSs. And I went in one day and I'm like, where's your DVDs? Oh, well, we don't have DVDs for rent. And I was like, well, why not? Like, everybody's renting D like this is when VHS was out, but really kind of dying. You could off. still do it, but it wasn't yeah. as popular you a know, format. They're renting for a dollar for three days. Right? right. And I'm like, well, DVD at the time I think was renting for $3 a night, maybe something like that. And I was like, well, what if I bought all the DVDs and you guys rent them? You know, what, have you thought about that? And they're like, well, no, this was a terrible idea, by the way, because I was just like, I'm going to give you all this money <laughs> with no contract, no agreement, no way to validate that they're renting any of this stuff, you know. So I spend thousands of dollars on DVDs for them to rent out. No business plan. And uh, after about two months, I'd heard all these people renting all these DVDs. And I go in, I'm like, hey, I need to pick up my check for everything we've rented because they were going to keep a dollar. I was getting two dollars because they're making as much as if they rent a VHS, actually more because they got it every night. And they're like, well, here's twelve dollars. And I'm like, well, <laughs> hold on a minute. Like, <laughs> I know I know I've talked to 20 people that's rented them like, you know, this should be like a couple hundred bucks. And um, and they're like, no, no, it's like twelve bucks. Anyway, it turns out they were totally scamming me, and so I had to clear out all the inventory. And they shut down like a month later. You know, like it's just it's super fast train wreck, right? So, I mean, we're up to your like you're barely an adult at this point, right? right? You've yes. had multiple businesses. I, I guess from from my standpoint, you were an entrepreneur looking for a business and not a. Right. Not a business operator. Because I see a lot of people that are in an, as a particular industry that want to open their own store in that industry. Right. And then there's other people that are like, I'll just open anything. Like, if there's an opportunity, I'm going to exploit that opportunity yes. to my benefit. If, and I still have that disease. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Um, yeah. But it's an interesting, like, differentiator between kind of entrepreneurs in in my opinion yes. that that you're just looking for the opportunity to get into something yeah. right and so you you end up asking questions of people that they may not even realize they're missing out on an opportunity in their own industry oh right? yeah yeah because they've never approached it from an from a different perspective before right do you find that a lot yeah I mean, surprisingly, like there's, well, you and I are working on a project that it, to me, it's such a stupid, simple in your face, like it's the paperclip, right? Like yep. it's right here or, or even a better one, the barcodes, look at how much money, you know, and, and the rumor, the legend, it's somewhat been proven. Yeah. That barcode was invented in Logansport, Indiana. <laughs> And it's just like this guy's made, he's made his whole fortune off of a barcode. And when you break, you know, some people look at a barcode and like, oh my gosh, how's this work? Well, it's this line's a little skinnier than the other line. That's how it works. Like it's so simple when you break it down. Yep. But such a huge savings. And I think that's important for people going to 
open a restaurant or, or, or a business and we're sitting in the restaurant. So I, I talk about it a lot, but going to open that business, like what, what's the need, you know, there's, let's say there's four ice cream shops on one block and I roll in, I'm go, I'm going to open another ice cream shop. Well, that's a terrible idea. There's already four of them. No, no, no. This is what I'm doing that these other four are missing. They're all closed on Friday night after the basketball game. They're all closed on Saturday when the kids are done with soccer. We're just going to, this is how we're going to run our ice cream shop and why ours is going to be successful. And I'm going to end up buying one or two of these others when they decide they're not making any money because they don't want to change their ways. Yeah. You know, we, I think we see that a lot with businesses that are, that are failing around us. Like they're, they're doing that. Uh, and Einstein, uh, I believe had the quote, um, doing the same thing over and over is the definition of ins- and and accepting, accepting different, different results, results is the definition of insanity. And that's, you know, a hundred percent, that's what's going on there. You know, it, uh, it's, uh, yes. And I, I feel like I've talked to a lot of, of people that own businesses that, especially if they are in the selling mode and yeah. they didn't realize maybe what they were getting into, um, yes. or didn't ask the right questions initially. And now they own a business that is failing and it might be failing because it just, it, it was a business that was in search of a customer. Yes. And never found the customer, you know? Right. And, and, but I feel like you're asking interesting questions a lot of times of people in industries that don't realize that they could be fulfilling a niche, but they're not. Right. And I think that, that that's kind of personally opened my eyes to. Asking more questions, paying attention to more things around me. Um, So I I think that, you know, apparently (laughs) that's been a lifelong situation (laughs) for you, right? Yeah. Um, So, so you're 1920. You've got uh, you've got this landscaping business that's going okay, right? Um, So, but it's all a side hustle to keep the farm, right? Kind of vibrant, right? Yeah. Um, so where do you go from there? You know, do you, do you keep growing that business or do you, uh, you branch out to other things? Well, and like everything, especially being at 19 or 20, you know, you get tired. I, I was just going to assume that you had the world figured out and you didn't need any help with anything, right? Like it's just going to oh, all go swimmingly. Well, and, you know, because in the meantime, we're doing construction work as well. I had started a interior decorating installation business, so we were... I actually went to school and got certified to properly install blinds, draperies. Um, you know, my mom had a mini blind business that we were, um, I was helping her some with it on the side. And, and I was just kind of getting tired. I'd went through a situation where um, just prior that I um, thought they had a brain tumor and went through a bunch of testing and turned out I was just super stressed. So, uh, you know, which was a relief, but I, you know, I had just a lot of, a lot of terrible symptoms and, and so it's one of the things where, you know, you make a choice, what are you going to do? And, and again, at this point in time, to me, it's all about money. You know, it's about building the, the net worth and not, you know, when you're chasing a dollar, 
that's the worst thing you can do because you're going to you're just going to get burnt out at the end of the day because the as one of the guys said earlier in one of my meetings today he said is is the juice worth the squeeze you know and you just get tired of squeezing for nothing yep and so i kind of let the landscaping just simmer i guess and not really build it didn't really push um I had an investment in a muffler business even at that point, and I got out of it. I got out of the custom truck stuff, and I had the and well, and then I never did finish the electronics story. I'd gotten into, you know, selling VHS players and TVs, and I had a business doing that. I got out of that. I kind of, kind of, I really just kind of dumped a bunch of stuff right right around that time frame. I was really starting to get more interested in chasing girls than because <laughs> I, I mean that's fair, you know. I was 20, right? You know, um, actually, and then I did at that same time, I um, uh, started doing some uh, work that I can't really talk about, <laughs> I guess. Fair. Um, but um, so I was really involved in, in that part of the work as well. And, um, and then still, of course, the main thing being the farm and building that. And, um, Do you find that a lot of farmers have a side hustle to keep the farm vibrant? Yeah, it seems like you have, you know, a lot of farms do something. They're selling seed, selling feed. And that was really kind of my dream was to have a feed store. Like I just, you know, you walked into the co-op and you you smelled that molasses and it was just a good memory, right? So it was... Well, my dad worked at, at yeah. Farm Bureau for years and years, yeah. so I, I have those memories too. Yeah, um, and I I found you know because my dad did work in in agriculture, although not you know we didn't own a farm, but right. we had a lot of friends that did, and it seemed like a lot of them had either a, an yes. outside business or construction, some, some kind of a some you know they they drove a bus or right. Construction yep. was a big one. Um, yeah, they, they would sell feed or, yep. you know, there was there was always a secondary angle, it seemed yeah. like, just to keep the farm, you know, not necessarily afloat, but vibrant, you yeah. know, and, and so that they could reinvest in the farm and, right. and make it better than it was. Yeah, because you're going to have years that you do really well with the farm and you put that money away planning for the bad years. Sure. Sometimes the bad years stack up more than what you can swallow. Yeah. And you need that extra income or you need a source of insurance or something, you know. So it's it's really to kind of equalize things a yeah. little bit and, and make sure yeah. that the farm stays at least where it's at now. Yeah, right. Essentially. Yeah. So, all right. So so you've sold off a few things. Sold, yeah, sold off some stuff. Um, still hanging on to the landscaping. Um Figured out how to deal with stress a lot better, so didn't have the scare of the brain tumor <laughs> stuff anymore because that was expensive because I didn't have insurance. So paid out of pocket on all of that. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, we uh, yeah. <laughs> we love dealing with that stuff. All right, so that wraps up part one of, well, my interview, Terrace. Uh, Sean's one that uh, conducted this interview process for me to get through the getting to know more of my entrepreneurial background and where I'm coming from. So next week, join us for part two of my interview where you find out a little bit more about the landscaping company and the formation of the hardware store and how easy I thought it would be to have retail. So uh, 
Join us next week with that, and we appreciate you listening along. Hey, you don't understand business.